Hey everybody, this is Dan from Second Nature, and you're listening to Sales and Enablement, the podcast. The show that brings sales and enablement together in one room with my co-host, Crystal Nicosi, to talk about the totally functional and normal working relationship between sales and enablement in today's SaaS world. Grab some popcorn, head a pop, sit back, and enjoy the show. Hey everybody, this is Dan Reynolds. I'm the sales side of this wacky podcast duo. Crystal, why don't you introduce yourself? I am definitely the better half. I am the enablement. And we have an amazing guest that I cannot wait for everyone to hear his his thoughts. I get to hear them every day. We work on the same team, but I will let you go ahead and introduce yourself. Yeah, no, thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. So my name is Drew. Gardner and yeah, I'm new to enablement. I've been in enablement for about a year now, been in sales for a little over four and a half years and all actually with users. So very excited to be here with you guys. Nice. And what is just for the official record, Drew, what is your job title? Yeah. So I'm actually a revenue enablement associate with UserZoom right now with an emphasis on the SDR team. Nice. Nice. All right. So I'm super excited. Obviously, Drew and I are on the same team, and this is not cheating by having him as a guest on our podcast because his insights are going to blow you guys away. Speaking of cheating, Crystal. You went there. You actually went there. I can't believe you went there. Dressed for the occasion. One of, I'm so glad that we're recording this because there's video evidence. I, we didn't plan this, by the way, but I just want everybody to take a moment of silence to make sure that Joshy Allen's $250 million arm is going to be okay for Sunday and for the rest of the season. I just had, I was in the worst mood ever uh, when the news broke that he was hurt. Obviously it happened at the end of the last game. I take it, Drew, you're in Denver, is that correct? Yeah, that's unfortunate, right? You got you got to have me have told me about this. I could have wore my Manning jersey. I don't have a Wilson jersey, which is probably the best thing for right. If you had a Wilson jersey, this episode would be full of all kinds of dangerous stuff. Yeah. The world's tiniest violin for Josh Allen. Boo hoo. Oh my god. Gross. They're anyway, gonna build yeah, we- Bill, and they're going to blow it. They're going to blow it in the playoffs. They're going to be Well, here. it looks like we did. It looks like we just, we almost did blow it. Trust me. Like, you don't want to be in the Reynolds house as of now. It's not a fun place to be. But anyway, I obviously, I digress. I'm glad you wore your Patriots jacket. I'm glad we got a dangerous uh, <laughs> fan here with us. That makes it even more funny. Not to go too off topic here, and I don't mean to interrupt, but... Take it. Yeah, right? Why the Patriots? Good question, Drew. And the short version is that the husband is from New England. I also support another team, which I was raised um, a fan of this team. And they are America's team, Dallas Cowboys. So they are no doubt probably two of the most hated teams in the NFL. And I happen to be a fan of both. So I was raised a Cowboys fan and put in a chokehold about 20 years ago and became a New England fan. So all of my gear is New England. It would never happen in reverse. Like you didn't have a chance of bringing them over, did you? 
Oh God, are you kidding? Are you? He's I from, know. I'm just. He's from I know. Massachusetts, dude. They don't. They they bleed Boston sports. Are you kidding? No way. No you know, way. Until Brady left, I would have to say that they're pretty uh, hard uh, organizationally. Yeah. Anyway, this was fun. I'm glad, Crystal, I am. it wasn't planned for you to wear that jacket. I wasn't going to wear the jersey, but I thought we should spice it up a little bit. Of course, Drew, I had no idea. Anyway, let's get back on topic. Yeah, say it's probably best we don't talk about it anyways about the Broncos, so we can move on. <laughs> Real hurtful so thing. You guys are so bad. Yeah. So, Drew, I like, and to the audience, Drew has just absolutely blown me away. I've been at UserZoom for about the past month. And some of the things that he is working on and being new to enablement, like I said, just blew me away. And I, it got me thinking that I wanted to have him on because there are so many new enablers. Somebody actually released a study or a research project that they did. And I think in 2018 or 2000, maybe 17, there were something like 3,000 people on LinkedIn, on LinkedIn, in their title. Fast forward to, and that growth is just insane. And I'm like, there are so many new enablers. We need to, we need to have somebody like Drew on. So I think Drew, for the audience, tell me, how did you get into enablement? Why enablement? Sure. Yeah. You know what? I love the question because everyone has their own unique story. For me, like I said, I've been with UseZoom for over four and a half years. And really the majority of that was coming in as a sales development rep and then transitioning into a player coach role as a team lead. And so at that point, I was one of, you know, being a, as a top contributor for the team, leading the team. I even, I was even a pseudo manager there for a couple of times as we uh, we're in the pandemic. Myself, along with another colleague, Jose Farfan, had to really take the reins because we were without a manager for the Esther team. And so there was a lot that was going on, right? And so what I ended up realizing during this time is that I really liked helping others, to be completely honest. Right? I love seeing the fact that I could get my knowledge and pass it on to someone else and then watch them start getting better and better every day, getting more meetings, stuff like that. It just made me feel really good. So I was actually really thinking about getting into SDR management. And then we had brought on our fearless leader, Kanal, right? And he started really building out the sales enablement process and everything within users. And we introduced himself to everybody, but I was still, to be completely honest, not 100% certain what enablement was. And so one day, Jill Dale, who leads the entire SDRT globally for user Zoom, had actually come to me and was like, hey, just from conversations we've had and everything else, I think enablement by, might be really good for you. And I still was like, what is enablement? Like, I really need to learn more about what this is. So I had a few conversations with Kanal, and I actually started out. It was one of those types of interviews where it's, let's see how we work together. And your project is building out the STR onboarding which notoriously, we just really haven't had much of an onboarding process for the SDRs. So that's how we started getting into it. Uh, loved working with Canal and really started seeing the value in what I was doing just from the onboarding process. And that's just one aspect, right? Yeah. Uh, but I really loved what I was putting together, knowing the impact that it was going to make for the organization as well. It just really excited me. And so yeah, for me, and that's, where I, that's how it all started. 
That's how it all starts. That's how so many enablers, they get into this, into enablement, because they do have that sales background. And you'll hear a lot on LinkedIn about, you'll hear some enablers say, I don't think that enablers need to have sales experience. And then you have a good chunk who are like, no, they do have to have some sales experience. I am the lack of the latter opinion that I feel it is really important to have that sales background. It's like any, sure, I think someone who doesn't have it could do enablement, but if you don't, if you haven't lived and breathed in, in in a sales role, it's really difficult sometimes to be able to put yourself in their shoes. I think you're in, I think you're in great company with that, um, Drew, I know one or two of the projects that that you've worked on, uh, onboarding being one of them, but what are maybe one or two of your favorite projects that you've done so far with the SDR group? Yeah, for sure. I think we'll start the first one. Actually, one of them is onboarding, but the other one that honestly I think has made the, the largest impact and is still a work in progress would be building the competency framework for the SDR team. And To be completely honest, this is just the beginning to the organization as a whole from an enablement perspective. As we all know, the SDR tend to be the guinea pigs with a lot of different things with the organizations, which as a past SDR, I'm completely okay with. Taking those challenges on, pulls by the horn, which you like to also say, right? That's okay. But point is, it's one of those things that was exciting, but it's a continuous challenge as well. The reason why this is such a big project for not just myself, but for the organization is we're trying to identify what makes our top performers, right? What are the unique skills, behaviors, and even processes that go behind what they do on a day-to-day basis and identifying those, right? What are the metrics that they're held against? What are those main metrics, right? And how do you put those two together? And so starting out, it was really cool. So before I had truly got on to enablement, Canal was actually looking at a platform that was, it's called E4 Enable that we use. And I'm not going to get too much into it, but what's really nice is this is a coaching platform specifically for the revenue team to help managers, whether you're SDR leadership, AEs, whatever it is, right? to be just more efficient at coaching and identifying what are the key strengths and weaknesses of each individual, right? And how can we help them get better? What we were able to do was work with this team at E4 Enable as well. And we had come up together, come together with competencies that, you know, from my own experience and just from other experiences, we've come up with these experiences or competencies along with what are the positive indicators and what are the negative indicators for? So the negative indicators are how do we identify how to take that next step up. This is what we're not doing, right? And then the positive indicators, if you're able to do all these, you're ready to move forward to that next step. It was really fun doing that. And of course, bringing in SDR leadership, we were able to show this to them. They then would identify maybe 10 out of the, say, 20 or 30. It depends on the organization. You may have 100 of them, right? But you need to really consolidate so you can truly concentrate on the key strengths, right? So, What was really cool about it is, of course, there's different management styles. So when you're trying to identify the key competencies, or for at least my SDR team, was you were going to, the easy ones were like, hey, asking the management to put check marks next to 10 that they felt were the most valuable. It's easy when you have three check marks. We're like, sweet, we've already identified a key competency. Then it gets a little murky because then all of a sudden it's now we're starting to see that we're one for this one for say growth mindset, one for whatever, right? And all of a sudden it's okay. Now we need to really come together. And this is where enablement obviously comes in and let's identify guys, 
let's go over one by one to figure out which ones we want to either consolidate or make a key competency. Let's break this down to 10, right? That was always more difficult because everyone has their own management styles and what they believe goes into a key contributor. And also at this time, we had an established SDR team. So we've had key contributors go in and out, but we were never able to sit down from the get-go and figure out what those key competencies were. So it's trying to identify all this on one very fast. Drew, Drew, really quickly, did when you were putting these competencies together, was this really the just the enablement team that was picking out or consolidating what they felt? Or how did you get the leaders involved? Like, how did you sell this to them? Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. Right. I was starting to go into that a little bit. But so at first, yes, we wanted to identify some, like, from my perspective, as the S person that came in with the SDR expertise, let's identify, identify these. Plus, we also already had a few that were like accountability, results-driven stuff that's really throughout all revenue orgs. Yeah, right? like organization. It, exactly. So, but, and then after that, what we did is once we had those, we built out a, an Excel sheet with all this, with those positive and negative indicators. Then we brought in the SDR leadership team to go over each and every one of these. We talked individually about each of the competencies and went into depth about those competencies and then had a conversation with them. It's one step at a time, of course, but we had this conversation. We let them look over it afterwards for a little bit, and then we had them do it individually, go in there and let allow them to pick their own, what they believe to be the top competencies, right? Yep. So we gathered that information. They were able to bring it back to the table and have rounds of conversations. And then we started to, again, we identified, hey, okay, we have three or four, whoever, how many leaderships you got? I don't know if you've got three managers, four managers, whatever it is, right? For us at the time, say we had three. So it's like, yeah, three check marks for accountability. Great. That's going to be a key competency. Absolutely. It's a lot of back and forth communication and it's a lot of diving into each competency. So everyone truly understands what that competency. Is. And I think that was one of the biggest hurdles is I think everyone understood the competencies, but there's so many of them that could relate to being a great contributor. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah. That's, and that's what got difficult, but. I think also like with the metrics too, is that what I have found is that there are multiple competencies that could impact a single metric, right? And so getting everyone to align on that too. So when you were ready to launch, you had everything pulled together, all leadership had gone through, you guys decided this is final version. How did you decide to launch this thing? Yeah. Yeah. So... It took a little while, honestly. There was a lot of back and forth on how we wanted to do it because this is such an integral part to what we're not just doing now, but throughout the rest of the company, right, for the day, the rest of the days, right? So it's like, how are we going to scale it? And we wanted to make sure that when we launched it, that everybody, management reps, understood, obviously, the reason behind it and how to truly use it. It was to the point where even though we had to go when we launched these competencies, it was through E4 Enable, right? So that was the other difficult part is launching these competencies with a platform as well, because what we ended up having to make sure is that the metrics that were being taken from our CRM systems, right, were going to be legit, right? We were having troubles back and forth with that, making sure that was all good. 
because how are you going to tell the story of how to build these competencies through these different metrics and stuff like that, right? If you don't have the right information. So that took a while. Once we had the competencies place, great, but that was only one step. I think when we were releasing this, it was much more than just saying, here's the competencies guys, now go and coach, right? We wanted to make sure we had a platform that allowed these managers to truly be able to tell a story, right? to their reps, for them to truly understand that this is all for coaching and to help you progress within your career. So we had to make sure that all the metrics and everything were, get, were being put in correctly, which is a lot of back and forth for a while. And then what we then did was launch this platform to the managers. And first, Actually, I take that back. I'm sorry. First, we had the conversation going back over the competencies again with them since it had been some time while also then doing a launch to the management team Yeah. going over, hey, this is not just how you use it, but this is how you tell the story of it. This is how you can check these different metrics, not just metrics from like metrics over time or competencies over time. This is how you can look at these different things. This is how making sure that we're creating next steps for each one, just showing them really the value of it all. And then after that, after the managers started getting involved in a little bit more, just diving in, then we decided to launch it to the SDR team. Now, the biggest thing that I've got. Go I was gonna say, I don't think anybody ever appreciates how long it takes to, to build one program, let alone like to launch a whole new program. In a new tool. That's pretty amazing, Drew. One question I have is actually for you, Dan, as a seller, listening to all of this, listening to building out competencies and being coached to it. What is one thing that an enabler seasoned or new, what is one thing that you think it would be important for them to know as they start launching something like this? Like, what is the story that would resonate most with you? I think I just touched on it a little bit. That is that this was something, whatever the program is, has been thought out. It wasn't something that was created in a minute. It wasn't something that wasn't work manager or with SME. It wasn't, it was something that was tested before it was launched. And of course, the whole, the big underlying piece is that there's a bit, the, why are we doing this? How, why are we doing this? And how is it going to help you? Like when you know that somebody, and I think it sounds like Drew also went through this, like what is enablement, right? Like, so my manager's there supposed to be coaching me. Then there's L&D, all of a sudden there's enablement. What's enablement supposed to do? So from the seller's perspective, I think it's so important to know that, you know, this is a team that really has your back with a real purpose in order to help you improve your skill set, not just necessarily selling the product that you're selling. Again, I think it comes down to seeing that there, there was a lot of the preparation was done. And again, the why and the how, like those, when you know that somebody's got your back and gone through all that, their job is to do the work to help you get better. And that, that's a huge, that's a huge indication of, uh, of a, of a team or an individual that really cares about your performance in a way that's different that. than like pipeline review numbers, like stuff that's binary. Yeah, that was one thing. It's interesting because as we're putting together SCO, it was one thing that I had talked about is like, we should really focus on doing maybe a session or two 
where we are improving their skills, skills, not only for user zoom, but skills that they can take anywhere with them. If we're afraid to show them things about that they could possibly use at another organization, then we're not doing enough to keep them. Right. So let's focus on that. And I absolutely love that. And that actually, it's a great segue actually. And so my next question. So Drew, as an enabler, how because I can imagine that there is maybe sometimes leaders and their reps are not aligned. They're not on the same page with maybe the why behind it all. So how would you go about helping to solve that, that misalignment? Yeah, for sure. It starts all the way to the beginning. And first off, communication. It's consistent communication, even from onboarding with new hires and having that coaching aspect from an enablement side of it, having a different outlet than your management or even someone on your team. It, look, I was the one that created the SDR onboarding. No one's going to truly understand that onboarding more than myself, no matter how much I want to talk about it. Or like, I know my intentions of why I built it the way I did. So I want to make sure that the, the SDRs, when they're new hires, that they understand that. But point is doing through this coaching process and challenging them and getting a better understanding of where they're at and the onboarding, how they're really understanding things, right? This is my chance from a bi-weekly standpoint to have one-on-ones with SDR leadership, updating them on, hey, this is what I'm seeing right now. This is how I think maybe from your coaching perspective, you can start coaching a little bit more on. Just making sure we get ahead of the game before yeah. it's too late sometimes. And a big one for sales, but I know definitely for SDRs is building confidence. So you want to make sure that their confidence doesn't go downhill right away or else sometimes it just doesn't end up working out. My point of that is, is having that consistency of having these conversations between leadership of what I'm seeing, what I'm hearing, and then also vice versa. We want to know what their overarching goals are and how we can help them with it. But who better than boots on the ground as well with the reps? So being able to, depending if your team has team leads, I think that's a good start instead of having just don't have the bandwidth to talk to every single rep on your team, but at least having an eye on, hey, these people are in the trenches, right? These are the guys that are in the trenches with their team. They know what's going from an object objection. What do they see? What are they hearing out there? What are they seeing? And so no matter how good you coach, you don't, you can't always identify that, right? And so it's always good to hear from the actual folks that are doing the job themselves and also be able to communicate that to leadership and vice versa, right? And so it's just having understanding the challenges that both of them are having but the overall goals as well. And okay, maybe even understanding, hey, this is what I'm hearing from a rep perspective. Maybe this is more of an issue and this is where we could, and just obviously not tell, but just try to guide the SDR leadership and be like, hey, this is really a big issue I've been hearing. So I think maybe this is something we can be working on. That's great. No, that, that's awesome. Now I'm going to ask you a question. You may not know the answer to it, or you may not fully know. Okay. That's probably the best word. I can't so, wait to hear what this question is going to be. Yeah. What's this going to be? <laughs> I'm really building this damn thing up, but it's not that serious. I just wanted to prep through. So what do you think the difference is? What between enabling an SDR group and enabling accounting, where are the biggest differences? And is there anything special or different that must be done for SDRs versus account executives? It's a really good question. And if I'm going to be honest with you, yeah, I think there's a difference, right? When you're bringing on SDRs, even though it's considered a, let's put it this way, SDR is a role that is considered a entry-level sales role within 
our organizations, right? And as true as that is, it's not that easy of a job and right. it can be extremely stressful. However, it is still entry level. And a lot of the folks that come into this are they're all ears. That was me four and a half years ago. I'd never been in software. I'd never been in SDR before. So being a, from an enablement perspective, you really got to put newbie ears on and you've got to be that person like I know that seems like an, a, a, a round I mean a whole enablement type thing but really even more so for SDRs with them being no, like new you've got to be able to really put yourself in their place essentially and yeah. you want to make sure everything that you do from a training perspective onboarding whatever it is digestible and understandable and not saying you don't need to do that with account executives but at that point account executives do have a lot of sales experience right? and they've learned a lot throughout the years. And even though things are different from a, say, user Zoom perspective to then the organizations you've worked with before, they're still going to have a sense of knowledge of how to do specific things where an SDR really needs more guidance in the beginning. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I know. I think that's phenomenal. That's exactly how I would approach things. I've often thought of full learning paths or multiple onboarding programs for not only SDRs and AEs, but even, for example, taking an SDR group or taking an AE group. And you've got to understand the difference between somebody who is settling into that role versus somebody who has been there, done that. There's a big difference between the two and no matter which group it is. And so even within groups, I think it's important to also have that differentiation for somebody, for example, like Dan, who is a very experienced account executive and who has sold six, seven figure deals. It is really important that you take them on almost like a separate learning path. I like to call it like the top gun type of training, right? Where it's like, they, they need something different. And so it's definitely like that for SDRs as well, but especially for new hire, any new hire coming through onboarding, they're going to have a different set of skills that they need and they've got to have the mindset, right? They've got to they get rejection like 99% of the time. It's like, how do you coach to that? How do you onboard that? But I think it, I think you've got to definitely separate, separate them out. So well, that's I, where the competencies I, come in for yeah. everyone within the revenue organization. Again, you're looking at your top performers within your organization. You sell differently. You may have the skills of being an AE, but do you have the right mindset of how you sell the product? What are the specific companies that competencies that are going to make your rep successful within your organization? And I think that's the biggest thing to come out of the competency aspect of it. Because yeah. it's not about someone else's organization, it's about yours, and there's different competencies for each organization. And I just think it goes into that is the thing to remember is, yeah, sure, AEs might have what it takes, but they understand the skills, but they don't understand how you do it at your organization. I haven't heard anything in the last two minutes. Crystal, let's just rewind to the part where you were saying, what a great AE I am. Yeah, I like that one. That's a lot. That's just, it's been ringing in my ears the whole time. Sorry, Drew, I'll have to watch this. You're like, again. how big were my deals again? Time. Yeah, I tell his ass I, all the time. You call me Top Maverick, Maverick over here, wearing the, Maverick wearing the Bills jersey. No, I, I know about two handfuls of just killer AEs, just killer AEs, and they they've been doing it for a long time. And Dan falls in the two handfuls. You saying I'm old? Is that what you're saying now? Are you trying to take it back a little bit? Are you older than me? Okay. Anyway, so 
Uh, Drew, as we wrap this up, because this has been absolutely amazing. And as usual, Dan and I can honestly talk about this stuff all day. For the audience, if someone was starting some type of competency framework program or competency program or coaching program, like what are the one to three tips that, you know, you would give them? Just like one, two, three. Yeah, I think first and foremost, implement it as, as soon as you possibly can, right? Because you want your competency framework to really grow with your organization. Because I think one thing that, you know, something I didn't state, and I think some folks forget is that competencies aren't set in stone. It's an, it's a revolving door and it can change, right? As the market changes, as really just year in and year out, just everything changes. And so you've got to be able to adapt to that. And maybe there's a different set of skills and competencies now that you're starting to see come from your reps that are really starting to work. And it's, wow, that wasn't something we were looking at before. And now we really need to dive in and figure out what it is that they're doing. And so identifying these new competencies. And so obviously, I think just implement it as soon as possible once you've identified your, your superstars. Because at the end of the day, if you really want to, I think, build a truly efficient onboarding program, you're going to want to be able to really mold that in from your competencies and how to train your reps. And you can't, you can build your competencies afterwards. If you've already built your competencies, put it into your onboarding, you're going to create great, help create better reps that are going to go out there and kill it from day one. Or you can just build an onboarding program and not have competency framework. And then it, they may not be as, as great as they could have been. So yeah. I'm just saying implement it as soon as you possibly can is the one biggest thing I would say. Patience is the other thing. It is not something that happens overnight, nor does really anything within enablement. Everything does take some time. But look, those are really the two main things in patience. It's just straight patience. I think I just said that, but I think patience and yeah, and that's really big ones for me. <laughs> let me. I don't know if I got this right. Patience, Broncos patience, country. patience. Broncos country, let's ride. That's all I got. That's all right? I got. That's all I got. Let's ride. Patience. That's what I've had to do with them all season Cute. long. They finally win a game, and then I got to wait a week. Yeah. Who they beat? Who they beat? Jacksonville. <laughs> <laughs> no offense, Sonny Jackson. No offense, no Jackson. We got one on our team. Shout out, Nick. Oh, that's we right. Were- you know, what's interesting is that you spoke about when you were speaking about Kuna, I was envisioning like a coaching tree a la Bill Belichick, you know, where, because enablement is, you know, that it, it's really interesting to see the impact that some of the top enablers are having and the careers that, that they're building. So that, that was interesting. And then I also just saw the news, speaking of coaching trees, Josh McDaniels got fired from the Raiders. Did you got let go? <laughs> yeah. I, I knew it. I knew it, dude. Because I, I don't know how... He's heading to college. Oh, he's he's never going to get another head coaching job. Yeah. I mean, I he will get another one in four years. He'll go back to New England and he'll do his thing there for a couple of years and some sucker will hire him again. Anyway, enough football talk. That was fun, though. Yes, it was. And Drew, it was an absolute pleasure. So much great stuff. Why don't we do it again in the new year and we'll give him a heads up. He can wear his Broncos. We can make it like a real football theme. Hey, what if they come back by that point? I might be repping. Yeah, no, I'm saying it. We're we're not even, are we even halfway there? Yeah, lots lots of time left. Almost. Yeah, I think they they added the 17th game. Yeah, it wrecks the whole thing. It's so hard. It's such a 
changes the whole game. Anyway, thank you very much for sharing your time with us, Drew. It's much, much appreciated. If you've made it this far in the podcast, you've reached the end. Thank you for listening. And hopefully we'll see you next week. Crystal, any last words? Yes, Drew. Tell people how they can find you. How can they get in touch with you? Hey, I'm on LinkedIn. You just got to search Drew Gardner. I'm right there. You know what? From a tip perspective for someone that's new, something I've learned from Crystal in a very short time, a lot of you know, and to your point, Dan, is just making sure you're networking with these folks in enablement, right? And just reaching out to folks, try to talk with them, just ping ideas off each other. I think that's a good way of finding anyone. So it's the networking is a big thing. But yes, I am on LinkedIn. I'd be I'd love to connect and chat. All right. Awesome. Thanks, Drew. Thanks, Dan. Bye, everybody. You've reached the end of another episode of Sales and Enablement, the podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify and feel free to connect with us on LinkedIn. Dan Reynolds and Crystal Nicosi.